Thank you for tuning in to Serendipity with Sheila, the podcast that helps you align your mission with your passion. As a universal master energy healer, Sheila can help you awaken and align with your true self so you can live the purposeful life you were made for. Let's get started. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Serendipity with Sheila. And I am your host, Reverend Sheila B. Tillich. And I am here today. We're going to have, again, another fantastic time together. This is number three podcast with my special guest, Dr. Thomas D. Iwanko. So, Thomas, hello, you're back. Hello. I'm, <laughs> I'm delighted to be back. I had so much fun the first two times. Oh. Why not make it a third? That's right. It's great. That's that's what I love. Uh, I love about us being able to do this. We get excited about it. And number three is going to be great. And it's really kind of like, we'll kind of help my listeners kind of put everything together about their soul's purpose and the serendipity part of it. And what is their mission? Why are we here? So mm-hmm. let me start this out for the people who didn't listen to the other two. I'm going to do your, your wait, bio wait. again. Someone didn't listen to the other two? Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Let's hope they did. If they didn't, they're going to want to go back and listen exactly. to it again. All right. So it's going to reinforce this, which is really great. So, okay. So here's um, Dr. Thomas's bio again. All right. Dr. Thomas was born and raised outside of Buffalo, New York, who was raised as a practicing Catholic and the oldest of five brothers. After marrying and raising his now four kids, he continued his doctoral studies in leadership. It was then that he began wondering about the universe and particularly this idea of God. In in 2019, Dr. Thomas really began discovering more about himself and the universe. Recently, Dr. Thomas D. Iwanko has been researching and exploring this idea of life. Who are we? Where do we come from? And how does the idea of God fit into our own purpose and path? He is a healer, trained in Reiki, but often flowing in the way he has moved. He began speaking light language in 2021 and continues to research and teach on the idea of life and purpose. So with that, the first two, the first part, the first podcast we did was learning more about Thomas and kind of like his awakening and how it all kind of started. And then we started talking the second one about light language and channeling. What does that mean? Because he talked about light language. And this third one, we're going to continue our conversation where we left off. And that was about this shift of consciousness, this new change, this new energy in, and the power that we all have to live our soul's purpose. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Thomas, welcome, welcome back. Well, I'm delighted to be back. It, it, it's, it truly is fun. Love speaking with you about all of this. Uh, I shared my first story, you know, spirit brought us together because we had to get together. So whatever reason is, maybe mm-hmm. we haven't figured out yet. Maybe we have. It doesn't matter. This is it. This is we're just living yep. our lives together, just sharing. Helping other people awaken, just like we awaken. And showing the way we do it this together. Yep, exactly. So we both had a, a similar experience not at the same time with different different time periods, but pretty close um, though. It, it it is pretty close. It was it's I left I inadvertently, but maybe on purposely. See how things happen. Didn't mm-hmm. tell that part of my story in the first episode. It wasn't planned. It just worked out that way. Me too. Uh, but as we last spoke, we were talking about now, wherever you're at now, 
in this time frame, in this, in our human existence. And I'm not going into the details of what human existence is and the, how old we really are and all that stuff, but rather, I want to talk a little bit real fast about uh, the research that Greg Braden did. Wonderful. Love and it. yes, my man. For those that don't don't know, Greg uh, was a IT guy for the Army during the Cold War, and he knew his life had more of a purpose, and he was supposed to do something different. And so he left his cushiony job, which which the boss of the time said, "Are you nuts?" You're here. You can do this for the rest of your life. Make good money and be retired and wonderful. Mm-hmm. But instead, he he felt the call to do research and find out what is the purpose. Similar to what I'm saying here of that exactly. of life, of what there's got to be a connection for all of this. Exactly. It's got to be there. And so he spent his career looking at numbers, looking at patterns, especially in the cold. We're looking at the patterns and trends. That's what you do as a researcher. Same thing when I you know my studies as a become a doctor. What are the trends? What are the patterns? And how look at the simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And people overlook this. They're always thinking of seeing, see, when they do research and seeing things like, oh, look at this anomaly, how weird this one is. They're always trying to find this big wow. A lot of times the answer is so simple. It's staring us in the face. We just are trying to dissect it too much. So I, I go into Greg Braden here. Mm-hmm. He, <coughs> excuse me. He went and he said, I don't mm-hmm. want to just go and research what's been written and rewritten and rewritten and retranscribed. I want to go in and get to the direct sources, which also meant, you know, taking six day trips on camels, uh, going into the deserts, going to all the sacred places into these mountains and hills. And uh, one thing he found is when he met with these leaders in these different societies all across the world, one question he asked them at one point was, Based upon your history and how it has been written, what is the time period that we are in right now? And there was no differences in the answers when it came to the general topic of that. They all said about the same thing, according to their ancient prophecies, their records, that we are now in this new age, this new consciousness, this new age of creation. This new co-creative state is the now period. And we talk about this, even the Mayan calendar. The Mayan calendar didn't end in December 2021 or December 2012, like everyone always said it has. It's actually 90, 1992 is when it ended. 92 to 2012 was a 20-year period of uncertainty. Because the minds didn't know exactly which path was going to happen, but the path that they were predicting was a co-creation path, which would be all brand new after 2012. And so that brings us to where we are today. We read all these books. We saw all these books of you know, Nostradamus and these prophecies and predictions of the end of the world, which were not false. We were on two paths. Exactly. We as humanity prove that we were ready for path two, which is the co-creative path, which is the path we are on right now. When that happened, all those prophecies of the end of the world and destruction, which kind of happened multiple times already, mm-hmm. we weren't ready. Yeah. Uh, it all came back to the co-creative state and that all left. And that's where we are today. And as I left off in the last time we spoke, I believe we were talking about change, mm-hmm. how the world needs to change. You and I can change an individual thing, but the truth matter of it is if everything is going well, people are happy and joyous and, and 
satisfied with life at the status quo, mm -hmm. change is not going to happen because people won't accept change. They'll want the status quo because they are happy and content. So to change the world, even for the better and for a much amazing, more beautiful world, in order to create a change like that, something drastic has to happen. And just in the past 100 years, there's two big things that have really come out. One of them very recently, one of them about, four, uh, what, 75 years 75 ago. 75 years ago, yeah. You know, think about World War II and all the genocide, everything that happened there. That changed so much. That was even pre-civil rights. Think about this, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw you out there. I'm not even, I've never said this before, but think about the pre-civil rights, what happened with the Nazis and the Holocaust and all that. Yeah, that all stirred up what was already in a movement, but it was being suppressed. All of a sudden, the equal rights, the equality, the civil rights are now being jumped up. And it had to be jumped up because of population, multiple different populations. But the main one we all talk about with the Holocaust is the Jewish population, mm -hmm. which unfortunately, but it's true and it's, it's reality, were mainly whites. Mm -hmm. And so because that population was now being oppressed. That brought the light to everything else and made these drastic changes and brought on a lot that we needed to change. Now, are we there at the pinnacle yet? We're working on it. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was one big thing, but a drastic change like that had to happen in the world. It really did. And then I'm, I'm going to say this because I come here. Not all light workers are here with this, what we've seen and the onset to be a blessed mission. Exactly. If I told you today that Hitler was a light worker, I'd be ridiculed. Mm -hmm. But he was sent and he had a mission and a purpose to change the world the only way the world could be changed. Exactly. It's sad those people, I don't, it's not Jewish. What happened to those people? No, terrible. What happened in the world? Terrible. But now let's fast forward to the present day. Yeah. The world needed a change. Yeah. We were complacent. We were satisfied. And yet underneath all the satisfaction, just like it was back then, there's an undercurrent of this oppression. There's an undercurrent of this bad, I'm going to call it, low vibration. And now we're in this new age of consciousness that bad low vibration can't exist. But in order to bring it out, in order to bring it to the light, uh, something had happened. It could have been a world war. It could have been that. But instead, it was a disease. Mm -hmm. And what it's doing, it's resetting things. Think about it. And I posted this on Facebook shortly after learning about COVID in uh, what, in 2020, mm -hmm. I posted, I'm like, I remember sitting outside in my backyard, looking up and never seeing the sky so clear at night. We decided to change the, how families live now working from home. There's more of an emphasis on family life than ever before. Exactly. It used to be the old frame of the 1900s. You work, you work, you work, you work, you work. Now there's a balance. This new generation coming up, are already coming into this with a higher vibration. And uh, it's not about the job. It's about yep. my life and having yep. fun. So things have changed. And I know there's been a lot of talk of, is it real? Is it man-made? And what it is, 
all this stuff. We're not gonna get, I'm not gonna get into that. What I'm gonna get into is my story. Yeah. And so I remember I got COVID. And so I got it before you did. Mm-hmm. And it was so to back it up a little bit, I had just gone through a, a shift and I had been told to talk to you. So mm-hmm. in my dream, I was told mm-hmm. to talk to Sheila. Mm-hmm. Never knew Sheila before. Sent her a random message and a friend request. <laughs> we talked and it, it like, oh my goodness, let me things put into place. And she told me, start look, looking at these other resources and these people, Greg Brady being mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. Lee Carroll, another. Uh, I already Bruce had Lifton. Joe Spenza. Bruce Lifton was a third one. So I already had like, all right, let's put this new stuff. And what I focused on it though, that two month time frame. Not even one month time frame. Give made me very clear. It was less than a month now. What I focused on that one month time frame was Lee Carroll first and the cry. And I read the first three, well, audio listened to the first three books. Now at that point, I was also in a state of, all right, where am I at with this whole divorce? Because we were in the mm-hmm. middle of trying to find what we're doing, all that stuff. And you know, being a newly somewhat single guy for 20 years, 20 some plus years, the same person, dating too, trying to date, whatever. <laughs> Okay, we know how that goes. Yeah. And I remember the story. So we're coming up, and it's the end of January of 2021. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, and I set up an appointment with my Reiki carry. And we were not going to do – I said, I didn't really need heal out healing. Let's just talk. You know, We did see a little healing, and we talked. And at the end, I asked the questions I didn't want to answer to. And the first thing she said to me was – it was about what do my guys want to tell me? And she goes, oh, you have a new one. It's more like a doctor, like a scientist type of guy that's behind you now. And uh, he's very blunt, dry humor. And he's saying to you, <laughs> he's saying to you, you got to cut this bleep out and get to, we have work to do. Mm-hmm. And I knew right away what he meant to do. Get off all the dating sites. Stop trying to, don't worry about that right now. You, heal you, take care of you. We've got work to do. And so I got the message. I knew the message. Unfortunately, that night I had a date planned. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Of course I did, you know? So (laughs) I I actually did text the person saying, you know what? Can my session ran long? Can we cancel it? She I'm like, I can maybe meet if you come closer to me instead of meeting like 20 minutes away. Mm -hmm. She goes, Oh, there's no problem. I know where that is. I'll come. I'm like, oh great. Now in the past, and I said this, I think, in the first talk we did, there's always that stigma. You know, if you say, hey, you're a spiritual person, they're going to run away. What are they going to think? Because it's not been accepted, especially if you're a guy. It's even mm-hmm. less accepted. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, I know I got to stop. Can't be dating anyone. I'm not really interested in her, but I'm, hey, what the heck? Let's go out. You know? So I knew I was going to go off and start with talking about my spiritual stuff because it normally turns people away. Make it easy. <laughs> Exactly opposite happens. She's like, oh my goodness, I knew I was supposed to meet you for a reason. <laughs> oh, great. All right, doesn't matter the conversation. It was wonderful portion, great. Uh, but as I left, and I followed all the protocols you're supposed to follow. As I left and I was, got home, I'm like, I got COVID, don't I? I literally looked up. I said, I got COVID. Okay. And so the next day I ran, I just ran some simple errands, you know, so we're wearing masks at the time, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I feel great, but I got COVID. 
two days later, I started getting a sore throat and some of the symptoms. That Monday came along and I really started getting hit with the symptoms. That Tuesday came and my oldest got hit with the symptoms too. So he was sent home from school and he had to get tested. And he tested positive. And at that point, I knew I've got COVID. Never even needed the test. So it was coming in the house. We got it. I'm like, I have nothing wrong. I have no idea how I got it. But I know I got it first. Mm-hmm. And well, I said to everyone, I had no idea how I got it. I know how I, I'm pointing up right now. So you can't yeah, see me. Yeah. I'm pointing up. I know how I got it. I mean, there's I like, get to work. <laughs> All right. Not <laughs> make you get to work. So I'm laying there and it was just, it was bad. I was like almost like dry heaving, throwing up a couple of mornings. And finally my ex, we were, you know, not through the process yet. She, we still live together and Super Bowl Sunday. It was Super Bowl Sunday. Literally, she goes, I'm taking you to the hospital in the game. So I'm, I was laying on my floor. I had no idea what was going on with the game. Didn't matter to me at that point. She mm-hmm. drives me to the hospital, the ER. And I remember right when I got in, they brought in like two sheet pizzas and these chicken wings, too, for all the nurses and the doctors. Oh. And so I get in there, I'm laying there, and they they do everything they do, checks, do the text, test the note, and they do the checks, that's where all this stuff and goes, well. Listen, the results haven't come back yet. We got COVID. We know that. Your mm-hmm. text x-ray is clear. But, but <laughs> do you know you've got a mass in your chest? Like, with might be a tumor or cancerous. So uh, uh-huh. make sure you take a look at that after COVID's gone. And then they're like, okay, we're going to send you home. And I, get, I just, I'm like, wait time out here. I've got COVID. I can barely breathe and talk and walk and do oh. anything. I've been throwing up every morning. And now you're telling me I have a chest, possibly cancer in me too. And you're sending me home. Right. Like, well, you can stay. Is there, is there a reason why you need to stay? Give me all the winks and the signs saying, hey, are you being abused or anything like that? I'm like, no, I just don't want to go home. <laughs> okay? Right, you're a staff. And I know very well they got their pizza. They had their party. It was Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. They did not want to deal with the patient. So... I left, went home the next morning, everything came back, throwing up all this stuff again. And so my wife at the time says, we're going back to the ER. And this time they say, you have the choice. Do you want to stay or go? Now, if you stay, we can give you this medicines also to help you. So I didn't even think twice. I'm like, get me in a room. Mm-hmm. So I go in the room and I remember this very clearly. I'm laying there on the bed in just a regular hospital room. And I'm trying to close my eyes and they're closed. And all of a sudden, the colors I see are so vibrant. It was like in the middle was like a gold like sun. And then you had like the reds and then you had it, it went out farther. You had more of those rich colors, of the reds and the blues <clears> and the purples. And it was like something was right there trying to come to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I didn't say that. I'm just saying that now because that's yeah, what I did. Yeah. Uh, it's all right. Yeah. But I'm like, not right now. And I had that next morning, I had another terrible attack. I could barely walk from the bathroom to my bed. The nurse came in. Everyone said, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're moving you to the ICU. Mm-hmm. All right. We're moving yep. you to the ICU. And we're going to do this, this, and this. You know, what we found is people that do all three of these treatments typically get out of here in about 15 to 20 days. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll do that and we'll see what happens. And we'll start this, get your consent. One of them was an experimental drug, so I had to sign off on that too. And they get me over to the ICU. Here's your sign. 
to register and save your seat for the next Lightworkers Connection Circle. The Lightworkers Connection Circle is about living your soul's purpose as a lightworker and connecting with others who are on the same spiritual path. It is a sacred and safe harbor group of lightworkers who are connecting, encouraging, empowering, and supporting human kindness together. The Lightworkers Connection Circle is led by Universal Master Healer Sheila Tillich and takes place on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. To save your seat, head on over to SheilaTillich.com slash lightworkers dash connection dash circle. You can also find the link to register in the show notes of this episode. Now back to you, Sheila. I remember once again, now I'm in the ICU the first day. I closed, I couldn't sleep that first night. All I could, every time I closed my eyes, I just saw these visions of these hills and these pinks and these blues. Beautiful. Second day, I'm now there. I closed my eyes again. And all I remember is that light came back and it came right into me. It was like, bump, right into me, like a thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm there. Next thing I remember is I have like nurses and doctors around me. I don't know what they're trying to do, but they're doing something. Mm-hmm. And I feel this thing jump out of me. Like it was like a weight was lifted off me. Mm-hmm. And I come to, I, come, I was two the whole time, but I wasn't like fully with it. I'm there and I'm like, oh my goodness. All right. I read a note to my nurse. I'm like, I need you to call my wife. I need this selenite, this obsidian, this, this, and this <laughs> around me. Okay. I need mm-hmm. it all around me. I literally took my selenite and I got it. And I, and I, I literally said, there's a wall in my room. Guys, I get it. You're trying to give me something, help me out, whatever it is, not right now. Mm-hmm. But I also then had the chance to sit back. And I said to myself, I clearly got COVID. I was given COVID for a very clear reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. I said in the first episode we did, a lot of times people, when they go through these traumas and something, they sit back like on a kitchen floor and they shout, why God, why? I was in the ICU of the hospital. They were talking about giving me an incubator. I had just had two traumatic experiences. I was told I have cancer or something growing inside my chest. Mm-hmm. And I sat there on the bed and said, okay, what's next? What next meeting? What is it I need to be doing? Mm-hmm. Because I'm here for my purpose. You told me I had work to do. And you had to sit my ass down. Because you know I wouldn't do it. If I didn't get this. Mm-hmm. And be forced to slow down. And learn. And I will say this. It was then I realized. I needed to start doing lives. I had just read those first three books of Koran. I knew I had to start sharing what I learned. Yep. Going through and telling this. I also knew I had nothing to worry, nothing to fear, and everything would be perfectly fine. Exactly. Now, granted, I remember having really bad hiccups. So it, it inhibited, I didn't sleep much, but they'd come in. I talked to the, the nurses and stuff. Great spirits. Still had the tough tube in there. Day nine, they wanted to send me home. The doctor said, you know what? Let's put the breathing like thing on your nose just for a little longer. I want to make sure you're a little stronger. Mm -hmm. Day 10, they sent me home. Mm 
I was moments away from an incubator. And a treatment that should take 15 to 20 days to send someone home. I was home on day 10. And the whole time, especially after those first two, two, three days, I had no fear, no worry. I was just in peace, living out. And I tell you what, the, I was actually listening to like spiritual stuff, like mm-hmm. the crying book. I was like, other lives are going on. I had texted. I was in a group at that point, and I had, yeah. I had, I had just done a live maybe two months earlier telling my story. And I texted the leader of the group saying, hey, I need to go live. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to do more on a regular basis. I need it. I, I trust me. I'm here for a reason. The reason is I need to share. Exactly. So I knew that I was home on day t- 10. I remember when the first in-home nurse visited me, she goes, Oh my goodness. I mean, yeah, you can't breathe and you can't walk up the stairs, but I've never seen a better. Uh, I've ne- you've been the best COVID patient I've ever seen. And trust me, I was inches moments away from them saying, we're going to put you out and put you in an incubator. And I said, no, everything is going to be fine. And it really was. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to expand on this because I mentioned the tumor. Okay. Now, I knew there was something there. I had no idea what it was. I was told that a year and a half ago. And I said, whatever. Doctor never followed up with me. I said, whatever. So there was a mass they had found in my chest. And I said, once mm-hmm. it cleared up, you got to see your doctor. Mm-hmm. And so now everyone in my family, my parents, my aunts have a large family. Everyone not only knew I had COVID, but they all knew I had this mass. And my mm-hmm. dad is something similar when he was in his 30s. So ah. they were all worried because he had radiation. It was it was baseball size tumor they removed. Mm-hmm. So now they're all worried about me. And, you know, I'm, I was fortunate. The situation way it came out, my uh, my one cousin and her husband are both doctors. And one happens to be one of the top radiologists in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, I tell you what, I'll refer you to one of my my friends here who's specialist. And so I, I said, sure, let's do that. And I remember meeting with him and I remember saying to him, everything's going to be perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. I was just all that because they do It's all going to be fine. And I remember I went away on vacation. I came back from vacation and I got the, the last scan of the mass mm-hmm. for vacation. It was only six mm-hmm. centimeters big. Mm-hmm. Now I, I was experiencing something when I got from vacation, I went to a bad, I met, I was exposed to a lower vibrational thing. Okay. But I remember the doctor calling me at one point saying, listen, Thomas, why have you not gotten this out yet or set up your appointment to get the surgery done? I'm not going to let you sit back anymore. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and he literally called, the, had his nurse call every point I had to go to. I remember one day I live in Rochester, New York. I had to drive to Buffalo an hour or some way, have an appointment there, another appointment there, then drive to Rochester, have two more doctor appointments all mm-hmm. in one day so that I could have the procedure done the next week or like three days later. Uh-huh. So he's like, you got to get it done. I go through it. I'm perfectly fine. I go through it all. And when it's all said and done, he didn't have to break the ribs like he was fearing. He was, there was only 10% chance he had to go through the ribs. We had to go through the side. But he looks at me and he goes, it grew to 10 centimeters in this less than a month. And, like, and I knew exactly why. Uh, once again. So that came out. I wasn't supposed to do much. I was staying at my parents' house. I did try to jog a little bit. I weren't supposed to do that. But I had my, so, so he always says, and I was, and my miss, when I don't say there's, it was uh, B2. The tumor was B2. So, and the scale for these type of tumors, you got A is perfectly fine, 
just an abnormal growth. B, you're okay, but there's some aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. B2, you're on the borderline. It's aggressive, but not quite cancerous. Mm-hmm. C is cancerous. D is we got to get in radiation right now. Mm-hmm. Since that was B2 from the very beginning. He's like, yeah, we might, we might do some treatments now before you get it out. I'm like, don't worry about it. You're not going to need to. Mm-hmm. The tumor board, which my, my cousin was on, don't know if he had a swaying or not, told, said no treatment. Let's have it come out first. And so it came out. And a week later, two days before my appointment to follow up, he calls me at 9 p.m. at night. On my cell phone, on his cell phone, he goes to me, I just got the results from John Hopkins. You're actually AB. So I was B2. I went up from B2 to AB, you know, borderline, just mildly aggressive to a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. So he goes, no treatment is needed. You're all good. Mm-hmm. So I see him two days later. The first thing he says to me is, so you're right. I'm like, yes. That's right. <laughs> and, then, and then I go to him. So he goes, how are you feeling? I'm like, well, I ran a mile twice the other day in, eight, in less than eight minutes. He goes, you <laughs> did what? <laughs> I'm like, well, I ran a mile. I worked out, then I ran another mile. He goes, wait a minute here. In my 30 years of doing this, yeah, I've never had a patient tell me they did anything, let alone run a mile a week and a half, not even after having a major, major surgery like this. And it came back to the state I was in, the faith and trust I had in my body, in the path I was on, that I had nothing to fear. I had nothing to worry about. I mean, worry and fear, what they does, not going to the science of things. And this, once again, it's going back to Greg Braden. Look at that, Greg Braden day. We're, and see, now the neat thing, I talk about Greg Braden. Scientist does the research like that. Bruce Lipton does too. I'm still getting into, more into Bruce Lipton. Yeah, yeah. Now, Cry and Lee Carroll, spiritual, channels this information. They say, I'm whispering it like to you, but they say the same thing. Well, one talks in spiritual words, one talks in scientific words, but it's the same. Well, it's, that's why it's all science and spirituality. That's why exactly, they're all together. Yeah. Exactly. And so what's been proven is when you have this joy, this happiness, this peace, your DNA expands. It almost double in size because yeah. much more active. Now think about that. I'm not going to go into this. No, that's going to be a whole other topic right there. But when you do the opposite, mm-hmm. when you're in fear and in worry, it shrinks. Your body's not acting as it can be, and the energy you have is lower. And so that's why many people that get COVID, got these diseases, have these things, they start worrying, panicking, and it gets worse because you're, you're, you're taking away your own human defenses by shrinking the own ability and capabilities of your DNA and your genes exactly. and opening it up. So exactly. I went through all that, and I knew for a purpose there's a reason for that experience I had, despite the fact being in the hospital for, well, only 10 days, yeah. being in the ICU and going through that. Yeah. And then when I got out of the hospital, within a few, I think I had to wait two weeks. Within a few weeks, I did my first live where I yeah. spoke, told the story. I was going to, I wasn't going to go into the cry on stories and start telling that. I ended up talking about what I just shared today. Mm-hmm. What led me to that point got me there. And then they invited me to come back two weeks later. And then they said, what are you doing next week? And then all of a sudden I was doing my own live. Started to share the, the knowledge I learned from Cryon, from what I was learning from life. And then I brought in a partner with me as a special guest. And next, you know, her and I did lives 
every single week, if not once, if not maybe multiple times a week, talking about life. Exactly. Talking about like coaching, talking about mentoring, talking about how we can live and think and our philosophy and how we can just change our own minds. And if we can act certain ways that the spiritual and the scientific realm is telling us the same thing and it works, but the biggest misconception, the biggest lie that we often are given is society has always said this X is the right answer and they've hidden everything else behind it because the people in charge, the lower vibrations Mm -hmm. that X makes sense to them because it keeps them at the status quo where once people know how strong they really can be. And if you took away the worry and the stress and you brought in the joy into your world, how much happier you would be, how much you less reliant on those that need to have the power you would be, it would change everything. And so I started teaching this and going about and helping people exactly as I was expected to do to get the change in me. And what it really did, and which is important, you must heal yourself first. Yes. And so one, that tumor was with me, it had to be healed. It was a low vibrational tumor. It had nothing it could do to me unless I let it go and let it let it manifest and get bigger and, and then it could do harm. But I knew what was going on. I it had it removed. Literally, when I was going through in the hospital with with um, COVID, I was literally taking my cell and giving it a purpose and intention, cleansing my my body, mm-hmm. cleansing my lungs. I would see, I would push it down there, I'd pull it back out and just taking away more of the debris that was in there. Did similar things when it came to the tumor, but the tumor was different. It was a different type of thing that I had to deal with that. Mm-hmm. But the healing wasn't either of those. The healing for me and the healing that we have to do is understanding of who we are, what we are truly capable of, the gifts we have, why we are here, the free choice we have in order to maintain and take back the power and control of our lives. Because we often give it up so easily for very little reasons. If someone has a bad day and they start throwing that bad day on you you take it in and now you have a bad day because you've gotten it from someone else and they know it better because they were able to rant and take it on you and we don't know how to block ourselves we don't know how to just let others be because we also try to control their lives all we can do is control our lives and so when we heal healing is such a big process we need to understand that we must forgive so much and it's not about forgiving the other people it's about forgiving yourself for allowing this to happen understanding our own responsibility and everything we have in our lives there is so much we can get into depth in here but i had to heal myself exactly and through these lives that i did yes i was helping others but if i sit back now and look at it i was helping myself grow and learn repeating some of the same stories remembering how to put out intentions remembering just what i learned from the science and everything to show you to myself once again you wanted proof we're giving you proof you wanted a girl, we're giving you the growth. We're giving you all this information so that you can take yourself to where you want to go. But in the mm-hmm. meantime, you were helping people and you were serving your purpose. But just like the world had to go through a massive change, had to be told, hello, wake up. 
World War II, this is happening. This is everything that's been hidden yep. for so long. It's coming out here. Just like with COVID. Oh, my goodness. Wake up, world. These are things that are going on. We're still not at the end of this. We still haven't seen the full result of this yet. It's oh, coming. No. Yeah, it's coming. I had to. You couldn't just say, well, everything's going to be fine. I had to go through a dramatic, bam, a dramatic change that would alter my life. And an alter in a way where I took the ownership. I took the responsibility of what happened. I didn't blame anyone because there's no one to blame. Exactly. And then I didn't ask why I asked. So what do I take with this? And what do I need to do? And what is next on this journey that I am willingly choosing to take? Exactly. Exactly. Thomas, you know, you're an amazing example of living the spirit being in the spirit and my experience with covid too was so life-changing just as yours is life-changing and helpful for humanity my experience was the same thing i knew i wasn't going to die and i knew that there was a bigger purpose for it and spirit was with me through the whole thing um and uh, i remember when you first came down with COVID and when we were praying for you and all the stuff that was happening in Facebook, you know, and, and then when I came down with COVID, you know, I knew it was part of my recalibration or the changes that I had to go through in my life. And also with what I do being the mentor, you know, and uh, helping others, live in the positiveness i knew it was it was an opportunity for me to face my own fears i knew that i needed to change many things in my life and i knew that i was sick way before covid before covid came into my life that i started this changes in my life i knew things were changing to me and it led me on a path of totally changing and getting a lot of things fixed in my own body too the same thing um, our COVID experiences uh, matched a lot in that area. The biggest one for me is that I knew spirit was with me and I knew it was part of my moving forward, taking responsibility for myself and that uh, I was going to be okay. I always knew I was going to be okay. And it was part of my journey. It was part of my journey. And as a mentor and also um helping other people as a healer but also as a minister and stuff like that it's all about staying in the higher frequency of out of that fear staying out of that fear staying out of that fear Mm -hmm. and and uh putting it out there to others to help them stay in the positive frequency staying out of that fear and that this is a, such a life-changing, transformational time that we are going through. And you and I both, when we talk about the science, we, we've got the knowledge behind that. We understand that. But also, these podcasts are about relating on a very personal level, being real, what we talk about, sharing what has happened to us, and then also opening the door for other people to share, to see, to feel, to understand how profound 
this time is to be able to move forward and to find your soul's purpose, whatever it may be. And mm. change and 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 making those mistakes along the way and growing from them. And and you know, it's like when you start in the beginning, you were talking about, you know, sitting in the in the kitchen, why me, why me type thing? Why not me? Why not me? And it is such a blessing when we can share this openly to people to help them realize that you can go through this. It's not the end of the world. It is a new beginning for each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is. It is a new way of living this consciousness field. And we're not done with it yet. There's still a few more years here that we're going. That is the DNA recalibration, our divineness coming out and our ability as humans at this time to balance earth and make a difference in everything that we do. So with that, we're out of time. And I am just so grateful for you, Thomas, um, for being a part of my life and also for humanity to help shape humanity, to change humanity, to grow humanity. So thank you for this beautiful time here with us. And again, um, would you like to share with my viewers and listeners the actual your email again uh so that if anybody would like to get a hold of you yeah i definitely can do that and you know I, I just feel like i need to share everything here is serendipitous i mean think about this exactly and and here's the 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 caveat the little asterisk people see serendipity as in an unexpected outcome that's gonna be beautiful and wonderful oh my goodness this happened how wonderful they also call it coincidence. Yeah. It's neither. Yeah. It's the synchronicity of what you put out there. Exactly. And when you put it out there and you create it for your life, you will see serendipity everywhere. And these exactly. moments of, oh my goodness, bliss that's coming to you. But it starts with you and how you approach it and how you look at things. If you can take that approach, you will see in the COVID experience of yourself or myself, exactly. or whatever, in something that you feel or others are saying is bad, you will look up in there and say, oh my goodness, if it wasn't for that blessing that I got, I wouldn't have had this thing. It's how serendipitous was it? Exactly. It's there and all around for us. So I'm going to end with that. Exactly. But feel free. If anybody has any questions for me or just wants to reach out, yeah. you can find me on Facebook. It's Thomas, middle initial D, my last name, Iwanko, uh, or if you want to email me, it's tdiwanko, I-W-A-N-K-O-W at gmail.com. Either way, feel free to reach out to me. I don't have a special website or anything like that. You know, it's when the time is right, the time will be right. And right It's now, coming. It's so. coming. So. It's coming. Okay, thank you, everybody, for being with us today. And thank you so much, Thomas. Thank you so much. Namaste.